Hey guys, this is Tim Powell from the Minerals and Royalties Authority. I recently sat down with Luther Ott, co-founder of Barrel Hub, a new SaaS platform that is looking to democratize marketing and midstream data in Texas. During the episode, Luther and I walked through all the different use cases for non-op and minerals companies to leverage the data on BarrelHub to help get a data and speed edge on closing acquisitions, as well as improve the accuracy of minerals and asset management. Let's jump into the episode and hear more of what Luther had to say. Luther, good afternoon and welcome onto the podcast. Good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we jump into Barrel Hub, just humor me. What the hell is a guy from Mississippi who has no oil and gas experience in his background, who spent 30 years running hedge funds, primarily in New York, doing in Dallas, running an oil and gas tech startup? Over to you. What's your background? Yeah, great, great question. I get that a lot. And I try to be upfront with that when I talk to people. This is something that I sort of backed into and just I, when it, when sometimes when something sounds too, you know, hard and it's a bit of a challenge and it sounds like it would be, it sounded like it would be interesting and it's turned out to be. Yeah. So I grew up in Mississippi, like you said, family in the poultry business from a fa- handful, a family full of lawyers. Other than that, went to school there locally and played baseball in college at Millsaps College. Thought for a minute I was going to be able to keep playing and then my shoulder blew up and which was a, a gift from the universe because I was never good enough to to have really made it in, anywhere beyond that. So I went to coach a little at LSU and coach pitchers at LSU for a minute while I was in grad school and then started in the investments business because, you know, the the math kind of decrypting things, puzzle construction, deconstruction, that kind of is how my brain seems to work. And I think too many knocks on the head when I was younger, maybe. But yeah. So I was running some money, working for a wirehouse, working for Solomon Brothers and I couldn't stand that because it was commercial and and the the functionality that they were trying to train people for was like sales and I just couldn't get my arms around it. I, I couldn't want I didn't want to do that. So my family had a public company and so I'd been around you know stocks and bonds in the stock market my whole life and so that part was kind of in my vernacular already and so I had an idea and so I built a statistical arbitrage behavioral finance. It's a big Long way of saying, I got some math nerd friends who were partners and I would speak pattern and they would translate it into code and that would generate algorithms. And we were the basis of what we would do is not try to solve for if, you know, Exxon was going to meet their number or whatever. I was more interested in solving for if, you know, what under what conditions and under what stimuli does Tim make the decision to go left versus right? Because the premise was there's really three decisions that you can make. You know, you're in, you're out, or you're waiting. And rather than try to solve for a zillion variables, we tried to solve for those three. And we were, it's better to be lucky than good. The algorithms worked really well and got some good experience there. Got to meet some crazy people. Left, I was able to sell those algorithms that what, you know, that we were trading futures and futures trade 24 hours a day. And or 23 hours a day. And I'm a bit like a dog with a bone and I, it's, I couldn't put it down. So it's a very unhealthy for me to be the portfolio manager for something that trades 23 hours a day. Sure. So when I got the chance to sell the algorithms, I did. Welcome to An Ounce of Prevention. The team at Our Recent Associates has partnered with Tim Powell to bring you brief legal updates on issues that matter to mineral owners, non-ops and operators. We hope you find this segment informative. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, Rachel Reese, at rreese at rreeselaw.com. Today's update is on Van Dyke versus the Navigator Group, which was ruled on by the Texas Supreme Court earlier this year. Van Dyke is just the latest in a line of what are called by the court double fraction cases. To clarify, the court did not use either Van Dyke or Navigator to describe the parties in this case. Instead, it used the white parties and the mulkey parties. Here, the 1924 deed at issue contained a reservation to the grantor of one half of one eighth of the minerals. 
For 90 years after the deeded issue, all parties involved, without exception, treated this conveyance as if it had conveyed half of the minerals to the white parties and reserved half of the minerals to the Mulkey parties. As happens, things become messier once real money gets involved. In 2013, the white parties filed this lawsuit over $44 million of royalties derived from the wells drilled in 2012 by Endeavor. The Texas Supreme Court ultimately ruled in favor of the Mulkey parties, and here is their explanation. One of the tenets often relied on by courts when interpreting older deeds is that words must be given the meaning they had when the text was adopted. So despite the fact that one half of one eighth would clearly mean one sixteenth today, the question was, what did the phrase mean back in 1924? According to the court, in 1924, one eighth was commonly used to describe the entire mineral estate. Over a hundred years ago, the phrase a thousand rabbits actually meant 1200 rabbits. Why? I have no idea. But the Texas Supreme Court did explain why it believes that in 1924, one-eighth meant the entire mineral estate. It used to be a common misconception that in entering into an oil and gas lease, the lessor only retained an eighth interest in the minerals, and therefore people commonly referred to entire mineral estates as one-eighth. Additionally, because one-eighth had been the royalty for so long, people believed that it would always be that way and felt comfortable using it as a proxy for future royalties. A more simple and straightforward reason also relied on by the court is that if the Mulkies had meant to reserve only 1 16th, they could have said 1 16th. It is simple math, and we should assume that people knew how to multiply in 1924. According to the court, history and common sense require that when a deed contains a double fraction, with the second fraction being 1 8th, there arises a rebuttable presumption that the 1 8th refers to the entire mineral estate. The court really didn't need another reason to hold for the Mulkies, but it went on to explain that in almost 100 years between the time the deed was signed and the suit was filed, all parties that had ever been involved with these minerals had treated the original conveyance as if it divided the minerals in half between the parties, in things like deeds, leases, division orders, and probate inventories. Therefore, the presumed grant doctrine applied, which would lead them to rule for the Mulkies. In any states where mineral estates have been being bought and sold for quite some time, double fractions run rampant. In this case, the court was careful to state that its ruling is not establishing a hard and fast rule. There could be other evidence within a deed that rebuts the presumption that one-eighth means the entire mineral estate. But as any good lawyer knows, rebuttable presumptions are hard to overcome. To learn more about this and other cases that may affect you and your company, subscribe to our blog, An Ounce of Prevention, or follow us on LinkedIn for the latest updates. The information and material in this advertisement is general information about our practice and firm and is for educational and informational purposes only. This information does not offer specific legal advice, and the use of this information does not create an attorney-client relationship with our RNA or any of its attorneys. The information in this advertisement should not be considered legal advice, and persons should not act upon this information without first engaging professional legal counsel. Well, real quick, it's, it's interesting, you know, that's the world you come from. You came up with the idea to invest on people's behavior patterns with the emergence of social media and, and all the, the data that's out there. I forget the name of the firm. I think they were based in London. They were a, a consulting firm that got involved in the U.S. elections. And I think it wasn't what they were doing was illegal. I think what they were doing was like promoting like fake ads. And that's where they got in hot water. But I watched a documentary on it and the, the whole thesis was, Okay. And I think they represent the GOP. There there are people polarized in this country, Democrat versus Republican. And then there's make up the number 12% of the population right. are swing voters. Let's the, the whole election is is should be your money should be spent from a marketing standpoint on those swing voters and what are their behavioral patterns and what influences right. them. We're sending targeted campaigns and everything to try to sway them. And again, where it got controversial is that they were sending like fake ads, right? Now taking a page from that book, I've talked to a handful of folks in the mineral space over the years, and I don't know how much this has come to fruition or if they didn't get enough funding or maybe they're going strong and they just don't want anyone to know about it because it's a, a really interesting proprietary angle. But it was the same type of idea, right? Where it's you're tracking people's online behavior and there were signals to say they're more likely to sell their minerals, i.e. obituaries in the family or, you know, they're, you know, they live in a certain zip code. Code and you know that zip code is you know more likely to have financial needs and you know selling minerals would be more impactful or tax stuff. They so they basically had all these parameters. That's all technically public domain, and they were tracking it. And again, it was a behavioral type algorithm to try to trigger this person's more likely to sell versus let me go down the tax roll. So I always found that stuff 
Really interesting. And it's, you know, when, when you come from the hedge fund world, and I think this is the full circle moment of kind of creating and birthing the idea of Barrel Hub is you're looking at systematic investing and using data at mass and, you know, removing a lot of emotion and just trying to approach things from that perspective. And I think that I'd love you to continue your story, but then talk about the moment where you, you saw the opportunity to, to do Barrel Hub and what Barrel Hub does. But it was because you're used to seeing data in that format, right? And you just couldn't fathom that marketing and midstream data wasn't presented that way. But over to you to kind of finish your background and everything and then circle back to the point I, I just got to. Yeah, behavioral finance is really, or the behavioral component of, of what you were discussing, like with politics and finance. An argument could be made that the reason social media is so prolific and so much money has been spent on ads, you know, you, it doesn't cost you anything to have a Facebook account or Twitter or unless you want the ego check mark, right? So, you know, beware the beware the guy giving away product because you're the product. If it if it didn't cost you anything, you're the product. And I think that's all pretty formulaic and pretty widely understood that that's what's going on. They're trying to capture your behavior pattern so that you're easier to sell to. And I just think that's fascinating to try to figure out, you know, it's just predictive analysis, right? It's a very thing, easy thing to get lost in because if you don't narrow the outcomes you're trying to solve for, you can spin your wheels because there's an infinite number of outcomes. But if you can narrow it down to the ones that matter, then you can discern some, you know, and anywhere you can get an edge, you you know, you should. And and so that's kind of kind of always been in the back of my head with whatever I do. And I, you know, so to continue the story, I moved back to Mississippi to set up handle help with the family kind of estate thing and set up a family office and get that up and running and I got four kids, wanted to get them another look at the country. So we moved over to Dallas and I joined up with a good friend and ran another hedge fund over here where I didn't have to be monitoring it 23 hours a day. We actually were investing in other hedge funds. And so I was able to see how the best of the best in the world do it by investing with, with hedge funds all over the world. And uh, that was, you and know, coincidentally, you know, I've, I've gotten to know, you know, Carlson Capital and a handful of others. Dallas has a hedge fund presence where oh, I, yeah. would, I would just think New York, right? Yeah. Dallas has the, I would say like Florida has increasingly because of everybody's trying to get away from New York because of the taxes. Now, I'm from New York originally. I, yeah. I, I hosted an investor dinner in Palm Beach in December and everybody's got a 516 or a 917 zip code. And they all sound, I don't know, I don't really have a strong accent anymore, but I can. They all sound like me or my family. And the the joke was, they go, yeah, 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 Palm Beach. It's it's the sixth borough, you know? Yeah, 100%. After after COVID, a lot of the smart money moved down there. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you can afford a jet, I mean, if you have enough money to afford a jet, it makes sense to move, you know, your business down there and spend one, you know, spend half your year to avoid 57%, you know, bare minimum taxes and sky high real estate prices. You know, we used to, a partner and I used to, and at the, the hedge fund here in Dallas, used to spend the month of January in West Palm Beach because between fund managers and our institutional investors, that's where everybody was. We could knock them all out in a month. So yep. we'd go down there and we'd spend a month and we would, we'd play golf with a group and have lunch. And then we would go to dinner with a different group and we would do that for the better part of a month. And we would knock out like all our travel. And oh, by the way, it's not a bad place to be weather-wise and golf-wise that time of year. So first world problem. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting too. When you look at, you know, family office dynamics and everything, typically you'll have like, you know, I, I don't know the right terminology for it, but family offices that are more administrative. And so you're not really dealing with the patriarchs or something. In West Palm Beach, you're dealing with, with the guys. Yeah. Everyone's there. So yeah, it's it's definitely a, a concentration of wealth in the country. But I, I digress. So anyways, you're, you're in Dallas. You're so right. I'm in Dallas and... I'm not, I'm a guy who I've found, you know, it only took me 50 years to figure this out that I like to be, I like to be productive and like most people, but I need to be building it or killing it. And when I've found myself sort of, I don't know, babysits too aggressive, but when something's built and it's on autopilot, my feet fall asleep and I'm not effective and I'm not happy. And 
So I've found that moving to things where I can be more transactional and be busier. And I don't really care if it's killing something or if it's building something, honestly. If it's a little complicated, I like it. It's a little messy. I like it. But I'm not, I'm not pretty enough and I don't dance well enough to just be some marketing guy or impress anybody with this sparkling personality in Mississippi, uh, <clears throat> drawl. But by the way, you, you, you claim to be from Mississippi, but you spent enough time in New York to have the dry, self-deprecating sense of humor that me as a <laughs> New Yorker very much appreciates. So you picked that up in your years there for sure. Yeah. So thanks for that. So yeah. So, so after a while, I am still really close with those people that are running the fund that's double it's double eagle capital and my good friend trip keeney was my partner there and just wonderful folks and a lifetime friends but i after stepping away from every day there did basically just did some consulting for a while because that's really exciting work for me because you don't call somebody like me who if there's not a problem or you know you have an idea and you that you know you need to underwrite an idea or have someone who's just passionate you know kind of run the red team if it works and I'm not blessed with enough sense of the room to avoid saying what everyone's thinking. So I tend to do that. So I, I, if it's dumb, I'll, I'll tell you it's dumb and, and why. And, and so that gets you a lot of those consulting gigs. And I was able to do some cool stuff there, like a hydrogen company, jet propulsion labs in California, uh, the NASA group. I mean, just all commercial real estate, a tech company or two, just very neat stuff. And so from, I kind of graduated to some, to some boards from that. And about two years ago, with my kids are away at school and back spending the day at the office at the house. And my wife's like, man, you got to do something that's not here every day. And so my buddy from college who I played baseball with and were roommates is a guy named Lee Vindic. And Lee has is a oil and gas lawyer, the son of an oil and gas lawyer, longtime Dallas guy. He had an oil and gas marketing firm that he'd had for 20 years called LDV Oil and Gas Consulting. And that business, in that business, he he markets to uh, he he represents about 130 operators, and it's purely agency. He just handles the marketing for them so that they don't have to. And it's and by uh, marketing, we're talking about you know commodity on their barrels, so. They're selling their selling their barrels. It's not he doesn't do gas. It's just selling their barrels. And he's a lawyer, so he does the contract work and the negotiations and everything. So Lee says, "Come sit with me. I've got you know space. There's hydrogen things going on. Get involved if you want to." So I end up there, go up there intending to just sit and do other things. But I, I don't, you know, I'm not good at that. And, and unfortunately for Lee, I can't I couldn't help myself saying, have you thought about fixing this or doing this another way? And enough of that led me to, you know, sort of pay attention to how he was, how the pricing works in the, in the specifically on the crude side and, you know, how there's different formulas in Texas in different areas, right? So, you know, sweet barrel in the Permian is going to get NYMEX trade days plus the CMA roll plus uh, the mid-cush diff. Eagleford's going to be something different, you know, but they're very specific formulas and, you know, they're all based off of trade back to trading. So it's numbers that move around and that's kind of right, hits me right where I, where I live, right? And I'm watching him go through and do this stuff and become aware that the information is available, but difficult to access. And I kept seeing him spend an inordinate amount of time sort of building a, a case on a case by case, on a client by client basis for getting a better price for the barrels. And he would go into the, the railroad commission and whatnot and build, try to build this case. And, and he did it and he did a great job for these guys, but it was very, I mean, I come from a really fluid market that trades like 23 hours a day and, and there's a million different ways to do it. And so there's no, it's a very difficult market to arbitrage from an information standpoint. All of that's been sucked out of it. Information arbitrage is what minerals and royalties and non it's why it exists, pr primarily minerals and royalties, right? Yeah. So that's what Barrel Hub is. It's there. When I looked at it, there's, it's, it's amazing to me that, that, you know, all of these really smart people for such a long period of time, such a mature industry have been putting millions of dollars and billions of dollars and elbow grease and, 
but there's no, there are not a lot of picks and shovels around pricing. Like, and, you know, being a bit of a student of history, like being in California during the gold rush is cool. It's really cool if you sell picks and shovels. Not maybe not so much if you're actually panning for gold, but if you're selling picks and shovels, you know, your family's doing okay. And so I'm looking at this and I say to Lee one day, I said, we need to get find somebody to automate that. Like it's gotta be doable. And he's like, Well, I mean, it's available stuff, but I mean it's it's not, it doesn't that really doesn't exist. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the conversation to say thank you to all of our podcast sponsors. Looking to ramp up deal flow for your minerals and non-op ground game? Since 2019, the Texas Mineral Company has closed on over 120 deals, totaling $110 million in value, with deal sizes ranging from 50 k upwards of $5 million. Whether you're looking for white space, permit, duck, PDP, AFE, or wellbore-only deals, the Texas Mineral Company has got you covered. For more information on how to source deal flow from the Texas Mineral Company, please email Toby Martinez at toby at thetexasmineralcompany.com. Over the past 20 years, Riverbend Energy Group has been the definitive leader in the non-op and mineral space, where they are actively acquiring minerals in the Delaware Basin, Midland Basin, the Williston, and the Eagleford. Following their $1.8 billion sale of their non-op platform in 2022, they are also back actively acquiring non-op interests in the Delaware Basin, Midland Basin, and Wilson. If you have minerals or non-op working interests in these areas that you would like to sell, then please visit www.riverbendenergygroup.com for more information. Farmers National Company has oil and gas experts located across the country ready to provide you unmatched convenience and service for your land management needs. Whether you're looking for turnkey management of oil and gas interests, or simply looking for an advisor to help you sell or lease your minerals, Farmers National Company has you covered. Learn more about Farmers National Company's team of certified mineral managers, landmen, attorneys, and accountants by going to fncenergy.com or reach out directly at energy at farmersnational.com. Does your team ever struggle with employee turnover? What about right-sizing your team to fit your company's needs over time? Do you have the right accounting systems and software in place to maintain control and visibility on all your cost centers? If any of these things are challenges in your business, then Opportune's back office outsourcing could be the right solution. For more information, please visit www.opportune.com. And, and to, to expand upon what you're saying, automate what exactly? You're talking about just what all everyone's getting paid for their barrels and how, how that spread is. And in, in the instance where you're trying to get better pricing from your marketing counterparty, it's finding all that out. And so what Lee did over the years manually, and you said it was a grueling process, was go and find the data, which is out there, but it's hard to find. And on a one-off basis would, would build up that case. And you just said that whole process should be automated and transparent and democratize, right? Right. So forgive me. I assume everybody's been thinking about nothing but this for the last year. So, you know, in the upstream business to negotiate, to properly negotiate, just like any other asset, you know, one of the first things you'd want to do is establish a basis of like, you know, a comp basis. If I'm this plot of land and I'm selling a similar barrel to my neighbor right next door, it only makes sense that I would try to know what he's, who he's selling to and what he's selling for. Right. And, and here I look in in Texas and like that doesn't exist. There's no comp database because nobody's ever gone and pulled all this information together and then synthesized it in a way that was consumable. So to be clear, Barrel Hub is, is effectively a, a comp database for pricing. You know, there's a bunch of ancillary information you get along the way that comes sort of comes with it by as part of the program, but essentially, it's a comp database where you pick your county and your month and you you can know what every lease in Texas gets for is getting for their hydrocarbons and who they're selling it to. And I can even tell you what their gathering and transportation charge per unit and in total was. Can you tell if it's piped or trucked? Piped, trucked, disposition, lat longs, the map, what they actually got paid, what the full formula value was for that month. Because, and that's how you get the gathering and transportation as well. So I can get, I can tell you that, you know, Tim sold to Bob 
and lease XYZ for 87.20. And it was 344 barrels of 41 gravity. Okay. And if, if that price, now that I know the price that you sold for, well, depending on where you are in the state, there's a full formula value for that. So the way it would work is without Barrel Hub, you have your production, a midstream company of, of purchaser, right? Well, they will call you and they'll say, Tim, you know, I want to buy your barrels. Let me throw a price at you. And, and then he just gives you a price. But, you know, I'm not saying people aren't educated. Everybody knows more about this than I do, right? I'm not saying that I've fit that, that everybody should be doing it the same way. But at the very least, you should have all the information and then do it how you're going to do it. So you would just be sort of be taking his word for it. Maybe you'd go to the 4-H or to the supper club or the course or whatever. And you'd talk to your neighbors about what they were getting and who they were selling it to. Your pumpers will know something about that. You'll see what trucks are coming up and down the road. You'll have an idea who people are selling to. But it's a, the market's so much bigger than any one person could get their arms around. I mean, we pull down about, we do about 15 million calculations a month, the software does, to produce the look that you see distilled down to something that's consumable. So it rather than take his word for it, you know, what we would suggest that you do is go to your county, pick the month and then sort it's everything is sorted from the the least that got the most dollars and cents for their hydrocarbons down to the the lowest. Okay. First, you want to take note who you're selling to and make sure that your guy isn't selling to your neighbor, isn't buying from your neighbor for 50 cents more. I know you're thinking that never happens. <laughs> it happens all over the place. It's it's and big, small, fast, slow, doesn't matter. The prices are all over the place. The Delta in a lot of counties, people are blown away by this, but that the, the top lease payment and the bottom lease payment in a lot of counties in Texas is close to $10. So somebody got $82 and somebody got $72. Now I know there are a lot of variables in there. Some might be skim, some might be sour, some might be sweet. H2S, all of that, all of that stuff. But there are the, the spreads too wide and to, to be accounted for by all of that. The only reasonable, you know, thing you could, could deduce from that is that there's this information arbitrage. And so that's what we've tried to, to solve for here to, and to make it really easy to yeah. give information. What, Struck me. So I'm not a midstream expert, but if you say, Tim, rattle off the midstream companies in the country, right? I'd say energy transfer, enterprise products, you know, Trans Canada, maybe NCAP and Tailwater have some private equity backed ones that are regional. I don't know, 10? Maybe there's 10. And what really kind of was a jumped out at me when we were talking the other day is you were like at any given time in a kind of a middle of the road activity county, you'll have two dozen purchasers on the on the midstream marketing side. And if it's a really active county, you might have more than that. And that's surprising to me. And I think that's, you know, being equipped with all the information like you're talking about, there could there's optionality out there that you're not even aware of. So I I guess, you know, asymmetry of information information just in the A and D game for minerals that, you know, part of what I do as a firm is help, help folks sell minerals. It's just the fact that you don't know who's out there and you don't know exactly what they do, you know, that I play off of that to add value. And that's how I get stuff across the line. I mean, this exists in every facet of the business. And we're talking now about the midstream marketing side. And I don't want to say this gets overlooked because there's a lot of sophisticated groups out there in the mineral space, but I think everyone, at least over drinks, talks about the rock and the technical prowess of an area and permits and, you know, where rigs are. It's all about when, you know, up to the point where it's getting out of the ground and then it's PDP. And then it's like, oh, well, that's for an income fund and, you know, a family office. You're almost, and then it's just like, let's just make sure our decimals are correct and that we're getting paid what we're supposed be getting paid. But what you're talking about is just the other side of the fence. It's out of the ground now. And portfolio optimization is, as a fiduciary of a fund is one of the hats you wear. And so if you could maximize value. You know, I, I think a lot of folks do this through hedging, but this is from a different perspective, right? And if the spread is 10 bucks as a mineral, you know, this is where my mind started to go on like potential use cases or value adds what you're presenting. You know, if if you're the one who's, who's the first mover to put this stuff together in a digestible way, 
way. And I've talked to plenty of folks since we've chatted, and I can confirm that folks don't have this information. So you're onto something. You know, what are the advantages? And and so I think as a minerals company, my mind goes to a couple of places. And I'm happy to just kind of spitball here. Yeah, um, please do. But if I'm a minerals company, do I first off in all deals, but more particular in minerals and especially non-op where there's an AFE component, the right. shot clock phenomena is real. Like how fast can you move and can you have shorter diligence periods? You will win the deal and sometimes not with the highest bid price, right? Because time kills deals. Everyone knows. It's, you know, transactional, you know, one-on-one. If you can go in without waiting on all the revenue statements or the latest revenue statements or whatever, and you can then model something out with a higher degree of certainty because you have this data, you can move quicker. Maybe you can sharpen your pencil on something to get a deal done. Or on the flip side, maybe you're sharpening your pencil down because there's heavier deducts than you realized. And now you're not bidding as aggressively on the deal. I think about, you know, there's a lot of folks on the title front that will do blanket title in an area. Why are they going to do that? Because they want to be able to close and know exactly what they're bidding on and close in two days. It's it's an edge in, in buying deals. However, there's an upfront cost to that, right? To be able to front run and do all that title. Most groups will find deals they like, and then there's a 30-day period to do title check and, and all that. I foresee using your data potentially as a way to front run and plug all this you know, perfect information, if you may, so you're not guessing or using averages or, hey, we own royalty income here and we own royalty income there. And so we kind of have an idea of what stuff is, you know, what, what all the midstream costs are in these areas. And, you know, folks are building out their models. If you knew exactly what the, you know, the deductions were and the differentials were in all the leases and you map that out, that's just another layer of criteria that you use to build your target areas when you go and you're you're trying to buy minerals. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting at a conceptual level. I'm not out there deploying capital and and buying deals like all the folks are listening to this. But this game is all about speed and data edge. That's all this game is. And and ways to do things cheaper and more streamlined. And I, I'd like to think that what you have offers that. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. So I'll, I'll hit a pause here so it doesn't become a monologue. But it's kind of... No, this is good. I mean, I it's, I enjoy talking to you because I learned something every time. And, and, and that's invaluable to me. So I want to make sure something came across in the explanation earlier. The information on Barrel Hub is not subjective, okay? And like, none of it is my opinion, right? We've got a team of really smart people. I don't get to go in that room. I don't qualify to go in that room. And they extract information directly from the source, okay? From the Railroad Commission, we've written programming language for so many different resources to be able to have like at will access to those because if you've ever fooled around on the, on the railroad commission it's a trove of data but it's not even all of the different buckets aren't even written in the same language you got to speak a bunch of different languages to read it all and 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 then to consume a bunch of it you know in order to really consume it you need to make sure that they're all speaking you know that it all sort of falls into can fall into one spreadsheet otherwise the sorting and everything becomes too cumbersome so we get that. And then we, once you have all of that information, you can go to the comptroller and pull down all the transaction data because in Texas, it must be public. So when I, when you, this has happened a million times so far where, you know, you're, you, you haven't seen this before. So you say, Oh, this is great if it works, but it can't be true. My XYZ lease. What did we make last month? What did we get paid last month? Well, I'm, you know, I may know better than you do because I'm pulling down exactly what the tax rolls are going to come off of. It's to the penny what the, what the check was written for. And I don't know any of the nuances of why or how it happened, but I'm showing you what the tax, what, where your taxes are generated. It's because there was a transaction and that's memorialized at the comptroller's office. EIN or tax ID number A sold to B. There are no names, right? Have you ever found yourself wandering the halls of Nate, feeling lost in the sea of boots and attendees, and thinking to yourself, where the hell are all the minerals and non-op executives? Well, my friends, worry no more. On February 8th, Nate will be launching their inaugural Minerals and Non-op Hub, which will serve as a dedicated and central location for minerals and non-op executives to network and show deals. For more information, please Google Nape Minerals and Non-op Hub or email exhibit at napexpo.com. 
That's the secret sauce. Y'all are taking, not only is it hard to get data, but you, you mentioned computations and stuff that you're 15 million or something a month that you're running. And you mentioned that there's different formulas for different gravities of crude. So that's really, you're taking all this stuff, but even if you just gave it all to somebody, it's kind of like good luck. Yeah, You're making it digestible. That that makes sense why it hasn't been done yet. It's it's far more complicated. Yeah, welcome to the nine rings of hell that are my brain that I, this is the kind of thing I like <laughs> to do. It's, to, to, it's just, a, it was a puzzle and figuring out how to tease it out and put it together in a way that's consumable is, is, and it's in the form that we give it to you. We give it to you on a, via uh, the website in a way that I think is quickest and easiest to use where you can sort by month, county, purchaser, producer, whatever, however you want to slice and dice it. But we also will give you access to a data room. And so each month of data is available in Excel. So if you fancy yourself kind of guy who likes to tool around and, you know, it's not for the meek because it's a ton more data that is probably esoteric and you don't need all of it. But if you want to go fool around in there, you're welcome to have it. That comes with the, with the service. But back to your, your point about how people use it. I, I don't know enough about even where to start, how you do your job, but I'll tell you from, from what I I've learned so far and I learn a lot from like, we've picked up some great clients like, you know, Capture Point and Firebird and Double Eagle and Permian Resources, Slant and Stewart and this Scout, Noble Royalties. I mean, just wonderful people. And they're all really generous. This is one of the byproducts of doing this. Usually I get into something because it's complicated, but it doesn't necessarily mean I like the people. Like I'm st- sticking around with this because I have really not run into too many people I don't enjoy and r- really genuine folks. Yeah, I'll say that coming from New York and, you know, always kind of straddling the finance universe. Bankers, because I'm, that's what I am essentially. I have my own little boutique banking shop focused on minerals and not Bankers in New York are dicks, just trade up. That's just what they are. And there are plenty of just incredible people in the banking space in Dallas and Houston. So just in that in that world alone, there's a, a, dras- a drastic difference. But then just the people in general in this industry are just, you know, class A people, yeah. big arts, a lot of philanthropy, easy to spend time around. So I, I echo that 100 percent. Yeah. So I, what I thought I was walking into and solving for here was a pricing tool where that everybody that I showed it to was going to say, hallelujah, thank you. I didn't know this was doable. Of course, this is what I'm going to use it for. That, you know, as happens in life, you live and you learn along the way. It's also acquisition and divestiture seems to be something really, as I've listened to people that are using it, you know, those that, that group of people inside of a shop are as likely to like it as the marketing people. Because, you know, you, you can also reverse the sort and, and you don't have to look at the top of the county, the guys that are getting the best pricing that are the best at marketing. You can look at the bottom of the county and see who's, you know, in the hole, so to speak, and maybe go lift their barrels from them and make three, four or five dollars on the purchase and improve your position. So now that's here, here's a hypothetical. An operator, right? So you, I, you know, we were talking before, you gave me a, a case study. You had a client who went and is an EMP client. They went and actually acquired an asset that was getting pretty sizable diffs on, on the barrels. They acquired that, baking that into the underwriting and then renegotiated the midstream costs afterwards right. and immediately captured some upside value. So great. Very cool. A from, you know, they, they had information others didn't, went into the ring on the AD front, got the asset to tie down, optimize it afterwards. From a, a non-op and a minerals perspective, I wonder, because it definitely factors into underwriting. Say, oh, you know, you're, there's huge deducts on these minerals and as a result, we're going to discount it X amount. Is there a way to try to, re, you know, non-op or minerals go out and, you know, prevent this information if the operator doesn't have it and say, hey, you know, do you think you can get better pricing on this here? Here's what we've seen. I think just for those listening, if anyone wants to try it out, let, let me know. But if, if you can use losers data to buy assets at a discount and then somehow increase, it's almost like yeah, convince the operator that he's not yeah. better his price. It's it's an obvious thing to do. And, and if you have minerals and I would think if you have, you know, royalty, if you're not in control, 
you know, it's kind of, let me, let me segue it, it, it take you to the third point, which I think is probably most germane to the minerals to the extent that I understand it. Mm-hmm. The third sort of leg of the stool is so having run a hedge fund, like I've been under the either, I've either been doing something with a hedge fund or a private equity fund or something sort of under the purview of the SEC under a broker dealer or whatever for 30 years. And I'm always really, you know, compliance and some, way, shape, or form is always on my mind. And it's kind of nice to not have to be on my mind for for once. But one of the things I thought was like, if you're managed, if anybody that's listening, that's managing other people's money, like you're a fiduciary, that's what, you know, being responsible for those people's money. That's what, that's the word. That's what it means is that you, you're responsible to do everything you can to make sure that everything adds up and you're doing everything you can to make the money. Now, there's so many smart people and well-intended people that like, where do you find your edge? Here's one place you can, you know, you can have the best, fastest data possible. I get it to you as soon as it's out of the, as soon as the transaction data drops from the comptroller, I get it and present it to you. And it's not like it's yesterday's data, but you know, it's November, December data right now that you would have access to. And, and so I would think from a, from a fiduciary standpoint, kind of like, you know, similar to the underwriting case, you know, are you getting paid what the guy got paid? If you're, if your deal is that I get what the operator gets, but I get a percentage of that, you know, if you don't have this, I don't know how you know. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break from the conversation to say thank you to all of our podcast sponsors. Your property is your legacy, so you should only leave it in the hands of a land management company who has a legacy of its own. If you own all gas interests or act as a fiduciary for those who do, you can find a long-term partner at Farmers National Company, who since 1929 has taken great pride in helping clients maximize the benefits of property ownership by providing turnkey management services and by working alongside them through generational transfers of specialized assets such as oil and gas interests and farmland. To learn more, visit fncenergy.com or reach out directly at energy at farmersnational.com. Since 2019, the Texas Mineral Company has been a leading ground game broker for minerals and non-op deals, closing over 120 transactions across the Permian, Scoop Stack, Haynesville, Bakken, Powder River Basin, DJ, and Eagleford. With deal sizes ranging from 50K upwards of 5 million and 1.5 NRAs upwards of 3,500 NRAs, The Texas Mineral Company can be flexible on where and how they can source your deal flow. For more information on how your team can work with the Texas Mineral Company, please email Toby Martinez at toby at thetexasmineralcompany.com. Scaling up your portfolio while minimizing GNA is the name of the game in the minerals and non-op space. Whether you're a brand new fund, an established team who's growing quickly, or a fully developed portfolio in harvest mode, Opportune's back office outsourcing team can help. Stop worrying about all the headaches that come along with day-to-day accounting and back office operations and contact Opportune today. For more information, please visit www.opportune.com. Over the past 20 years, Riverbend Energy Group has been the definitive leader in the non-op and mineral space, where they are actively acquiring minerals in the Delaware Basin, Midland Basin, the Williston, and the Eagleford. Following their $1.8 billion sale of their non-op platform in 2022, they are also back actively acquiring non-op interests in the Delaware Basin, Midland Basin, and Wilson. If you have minerals or non-op working interests in these areas that you would like to sell, then please visit www.riverbendenergygroup.com for more information. Hi there, it's Rachel Reese at R. Reese & Associates, your outhouse counsel. You may ask, what's an outhouse counsel? Well, it's a law firm that is focused on the day-to-day legal tasks that normally would be completed by your legal department. Our attorneys in Houston and DFW have spent their careers in both in-house positions and at large law firms and can provide your company with the efficient and responsive service you would expect from your own legal department for things like contracts, transactions, and title opinions at a fraction of the cost of what you're used to paying. So whether your company has no legal department or your legal department is a mighty team of one, we can help. Give us a call at 832-831-2289 or learn more at rreeslaw.com. 
So what you're referring to is, is really the asset management side of the business, which is a big part of it, minerals management or asset management if it's non-op as well. And whether it's in it's in good faith and there's errors, I mean, we're talking about voluminous amounts of, of data, right? When you're talking about revenue checks and everything. Right. So decimal interest, 0.0017, I mean, it happens, but it is the job of the mineral matter to be on top of that. And so there's definitely errors that get fixed and correct decimal interest and all that stuff. I can't say for sure, but I would guess that volumes don't always match up and price doesn't always match up. So, you know, this is just another tool for anyone managing large pools of of assets that you can use to cross-check that, I, I I would think. So I feel like for every acre in Texas, right, there's however many more than, you know, some big number of different mineral mineral or royalty interests, even possibly at different layers under the same acre, right? So it's sliced pretty thin, like it's been done for so long. So that I can tell you that if you, so in terms of how complicated it must be to get your arms around that and making sure that the math works, you know, my 15 million calculations a month just doing the state of Texas is really small potatoes compared to what that number would be. And I can tell you that, you know, the government through the railroad commission and the, and the tax office, they got a lot of people working on this. It's a smaller data set, right? I find mistakes all the time. I can point you directly to, and I have done this. I have called an operator and said, Hey, FYI, I know these are your leases. Your purchaser is inputting your tax ID incorrectly. It's not showing up in the tax office. Hmm. Like that's not nearly as complicated and that kind of stuff happens. So does it happen when it's, there's a thousand ways to slice it below that same acre? I'm, I'm certain it does. And it doesn't mean there's anything nefarious, but you know, if that's your job, you want to, I would think you would want to make sure that you dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. So that, that fiduciary and validating the pricing. And, you know, I've recently been approached by some different kinds of folks looking to use, use this. There's some lawyers out there who get, who their job is to make sure you got paid right. And maybe you have a dispute and I've had a couple of them call and or try to set up appointments. I haven't really taken any of those yet because I want to understand what I'm getting myself into before I do it. And and then also I want to try to stay true to to the extent possible the the idea behind the business. And that is for operators and producers and owners and interest holders to be able to close the gap on the information arbitrage. So I'm not out there, you know, trying to get this information into the hands of all the midstream companies. That would defeat the purpose. Right. Right. Frankly. They've got their doing fine. I'm not saying you can't call me and we'll have a conversation, but you know, that's not who I'm, that's not where my outgoing calls are, are focused on. And, and, you know, what I really like getting an attaboy from the operators who have been blind and they, you know, I'm blind here and they didn't, they didn't know. And I'll tell you a quick story. The very first guy who signed up, I'm going to give him a shout out. There's zero chance he's listening to a to a podcast, but he's a guy named Bruce Gates from, from San Antonio. And Bruce has Azuron energy and Azuron Iron Rock, I think is also his, but Bruce doesn't, you know, he's the first guy to sign and he did it like when it was a very like V1 with a bandaid and duct tape, you know, and, and, and he didn't, I didn't think he knew he was going to be able to turn it on or whatever. And he's just doing it because he liked me and he was, who knows. And about six weeks after his license goes live and he starts logging on, if somebody starts logging on down there, he calls me one day and he says, Hey, on the website, are you going to have a testimonials section? And I was like, I don't know, man. Should Do I need to? And he said, oh, yeah. So why? And he goes, because as long as I'm kicking and have it, and I'm in the old business, I'm going to have a be a subscriber. I'm like, oh, it's awesome. Can you, that, you know, I'd love to put that on. He's like, well, so what is bringing this on? And he said, well, I've got like 10 leases in this one county. And I got into the county and started looking and realized that my guy isn't paying me what he's paying my neighbor. And, and there's a guy, there's another guy, another purchaser paying even more than that. So I called my guy and I said, you can pay me as much as you're paying the highest guy in the county, or I'm just going to flip over to the other guy because this is other people's money. I don't really want to change all the P4s, but 
I'd rather do that than not get the full value. And and the, and so they changed it that day. And he said it was something on the order. I'm not going to give you the number, but it was a lot of money. He said he basically said he could afford to pay for Barrel Hub subscription forever off of that one phone call. Listen, I mean that's that's an amazing story. It's got to be very validating for you. I mean, it, it speaks volumes to. You know, if you're running any business, getting out a tunnel vision and bringing new perspective to the table. And so you're bringing the perspective of a, a non-industry guy that was in the hedge fund world and you saw something and you didn't say, well, that's just how it is. I'll just find a way around it. You said, no, no, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. And you, you solve for it. So that just in any context, if you're running a business, whether it's fresh hires, interns, different clients, board advisors, consultants. This is the, the power of it, right? It's, it's just someone kind of comes in and, and breaks your, you know, for lack of better words, limited thinking around certain problems because you're blind to it. The, the one last thing before we wrap up, just on that last story you mentioned, I mean, if you're a non-op company, you can take your barrels in kind. Depends on the language of the JOA, but you theoretically could do exactly what that guy just did, Bruce, if you have, if you're, you know, smart on the knowledge and, and the options and you can improve your pricing. I think a lot of non-op folks out there taking barrels in kind is kind of the golden scenario where you can really optimize your portfolio and get better pricing, but it's I think easier said than done. There's obviously a lot of a lot of things that go into marketing your own stuff. I'm not right. an oversimplified. I'm not a mystery guy. But if you can be equipped with, to me, I'm not a hard nosed negotiator. I think negotiating is all about leverage, and leverage is all about data and information. Yeah. So that gives you leverage, right, to negotiate with a marketing firm because they're going to know it. They're going to know the the facts. And if you're spewing factual information on pricing, they're you're you're calling their bluff a little bit, right? So. I don't know. Just for me, we, we've met very recently, but I, you know, I, I kind of see myself as a, a tech scout in a way on behalf of the minerals and non-op space. Whenever I, I see really interesting things that could help people save money, do things faster, do things better. I always love to bring it on the podcast and make intros because I think there's real value and it seems like you have something here and I, I wish you all the best and I hope this thing grows and you help a lot of people and you build a, a kick-ass business along the way. Well, I appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. You know, anybody that's listening that wants to reach out, I'd love to talk to you about it. It's, you can go to, it's, I, I couldn't get barrelhub.com. So I have barrelhub.co and, or Tim can get you the, my email address is luther at barrelhub.co. Reach out to me and I'll do a, a demo. I'm not going to be any better looking or more clever over a demo than I am here. So that's, the downside, but I'll show you what I've got and try to make it work for for everybody. We run it just as a, an annual subscription and we're not trying to break anybody over it. My goal is for everybody to have it. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate it. And if nothing else comes from this is that, you know, we, after having met the other day, we make a new friend and this is, this is well worth the effort for me. And I appreciate you having me on. You bet. All right. Thanks again, Luther. We'll see you Thanks. soon. Okay. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. The Minerals and Royalties podcast is meant for informational purposes only. Tim Powell and the Minerals and Royalties Authority are not promoting any specific securities or investments, nor are they providing any type of investment advice. If you enjoyed the episode, then I encourage you to tune in more and also check out the Minerals and Royalties Authority YouTube channel. Thanks and see you next time.